What's up, Anis? Bushrak. I'm very, very good. So you're here to promote your new book. And to see you. Yes. Could you show it to the camera? There you go. Flowers of Anis. Yeah. So to the few who perceive the other realm, the spiritual guide for those, uh, for the lost spiritual soul. All right. All right. So give it to me. This is food for thought. For the few who perceive the other realm. So you mean that uh, it's not for everybody? Yeah, unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me, who is it for? Who is this book for? Who should buy it? Just, can I read the description? Of course, go ahead. So, the mystical Algiers is pregnant. They flowered with might, sanctified and bright. The flower of Anise is at your sight. Now, this grimoire speaks from the heart of the hearts to a million soul cursed and doomed in seeing what is beyond the social norms and conformity. This is a spiritual guide for the bright spiritual lad in quest of a path to enlighten his soul. A grimoire full of revelations without exaggerations written through a scientific approach and an academic language Sample and candid for the intuitive soul to grasp in. All right. So I have a few questions. As someone who would find this book in the library, is it already available? Not yet, no. When is it going available to be? next month? Next month. Okay. So I guess October. 10th of October. 10th yes. of October is going to be uh, available. So suppose... Um, I'm, um, I'm in the library, I'm going to read this. And I'm going to give you like my honest thought processes okay. of uh, me reading this. So the mystical Algiers is pregnant. First of all, I'm not much of a poet, so it's very difficult for me to understand. So by saying the mystical the Algiers... Is this, is this an analogy? No, it's an allegory. The mystical Algiers uh, is a reference to the other books, Sons, Sins, and Seeds of Algiers. Okay. So this book brings up the meta metaphysical knowledge mm -hmm. that was displayed in the trilogy yes. and casts it in an academic language, not poetry or something adequate. What do you mean by academic language? So, so this is like, it's not poetry, it's text. It's, text, it's paragraphs. It's objective, it's academic, it's... Uh, it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so wh where, uh, what, what do you mean it's objective? Like, what, it, what does it talk about? Well, it defines spirituality, defines concepts that are uh, adequate to spirituality through an academic approach, which means that we follow deductive reasoning. When you read poetry, you follow inductive reasoning. It means you read things and you interpret them subjectively. But a deductive reasoning is based on, in literature, is based on quotations, much similar to the scientific method. This is the method that we use in the English department and academical research. Okay. So you use, uh, so this is going to be, what is the purpose? Is, is this like a research work? It is slightly a research work. What is I the purpose? What do, you, what do you intend to find? find? What, are the, what are the discoveries that you're going to make by, by reading this? So it's, it was inspired by my master thesis and I came up with several conclusions. So mm -hmm. I displayed some of these conclusions in okay. this book. Could you the tell me about your master thesis? 
Yes, it was entitled The Pantheism of Edgar Allan Poe and its symbiotic relationship with the occult. Okay. So it's, a, uh, it's an approach that analyzes the works of Edgar Allan Poe and I introduced immodestly a spiritual progression for a person to uh, progress in the spiritual hierarchy. The first thing is to uh, have an ego death that was symbolized by the fall of the house of Usher. Mm-hmm. The second thing is to get in touch with mysticism or spirituality or anything that is uh, from the inspirational world. And through my thesis, I uh, came up with the conclusion that once you are aware about this knowledge, once you come in contact with it, you cannot go backwards, you cannot mm. go to your old self. So mm. this is like the second step. Yeah. And the third step is discovering your potential, discovering what are your prowess. And for Edgar Allan Poe, it was poetry. That is why I added the chapter of the power of words and manifestation in the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. I see. You see, when you talk about <coughs> a certain knowledge, that when you discover it, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm acquainted with that kind of knowledge. Like it's very difficult for me personally to understand how, like, what what do you mean by the new the, for the few who perceive the other realm? Well, what if I'm not one of the few, and what if I decide that I want to be one of the few? How will I, how would I be able to perceive this other realm? Well, the other realm is not simply spirituality. Uh, I believe that there is the material world and the spiritual world. Okay. They both complete to each other. So the spiritual world is in the material world. Mm-hmm. Just like with the universe, there is dark matter. 19% of the universe is made of dark matter. So you, you can see it as the spiritual world because there are like uh, electromagnetics that links the planets with each other. Yeah. Uh, to come back to you, I, I asked you about the meaning of the painting, subjective meaning, and you came up to me with that. Materially, it is seen as an object of art. Mm-hmm. It is categorized, it is labelized, but spiritually, you come up with a different co- conclusion. Mm. An effect, unity of effect cast on the perceiver. Okay, so is it like this realm that you're talking about, the spiritual realm? This is what you call it? Poetically, yes, but uh, academically it's called metaphysics. Metaphysics, okay. So this metaphysic uh, or metaphysical realm, uh, is it like beauty? Like it exists in somebody somebody's head? Well, according to Edgar Allan Poe, yes, mm-hmm. it is beauty. But according to uh, the academic uh, philosophers, it is simply a stream of thoughts, no different, mm-hmm. no different than any other field of study. It's not different. Okay, I get, uh, I understand that you can study it and mm-hmm. re- do research about it. But is it something that really exists? Or is it something that is in our head? It exists in our head. Like beauty, for example, it's, it's not, not well, another example would be the color red. Mm-hmm. You like the color red, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, well, it doesn't exist, except in our heads. Like the color red is just waves of electromagnetic waves. It's like a frequency of electromagnetic waves, like in the physical world, like in reality, mm-hmm. in w- like what is out there. What we receive is just 
a certain frequency of electromagnetic waves that our brain interprets as red and we experience red matter of fact it could be that your red and my red are completely different yeah i've heard about and this there are, yes and there are no ways to prove or to compare the two because we can't like link our brains together mm -hmm. like physically so is this a spiritual realm the same way is this the same thing like somebody could go to algiers and not experience this spiritual realm at all well, because yes, he's not able to see uh, because it is subjective because yeah. reality is subjective like we attract what we think about for example if you want to think that a room is a cell you'll start feeling that it is a cell and you start finding all the logical arguments mm -hmm. to define this as a cell that's true but if you define it as a let's say an enlightening cave mm -hmm. you will see it as such yes the spiritual realm is subjective i see i see yeah. i understand yes uh do you think we can control that it depends uh say I, pers say, I personally me. believe that uh, mm -hmm. we can control it yeah. but according to the book i couldn't put my personal opinion i just uh, used stoicism i made a whole chapter about stoicism mm -hmm. to define that we cannot control the external world but we can control ourselves i see are you sure we cannot control like uh, it's it's a very uh, seductive idea the thing that uh, you could control the way you perceive things because say someday you'll find yourself in um, in in uh, in a prison cell right mm -hmm. and then you would you would realize that you would have like man i don't know maybe 20 years ahead of you just in that prison cell what are you gonna do you can control yourself how you will perceive that prison cell by saying you can control yourself in stoicism is controlling your perception of reality mm -hmm. and therefore apply, applying your own subjective approach mm -hmm. that is relevant to your own situation but the world is in a constant change and you cannot fully control this change but only to go with the flow okay so i've seen some people like i know of some people that have like to me as far as i'm concerned what i thought was that they were actually um swimming against the flow yeah and at some point they kind of changed their own reality one of them is um actually i have to find his name but one of them is um is an inmate who was sentenced for uh, life in prison uh because he was accused of murder and he didn't murder anyone so he spent 15 years in prison and at the end of the 15 years he was able to prove himself innocent so this is a man who went to prison without any uh, any um convictions any good defense mm -hmm. like the, the 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 lawyer that he had was himself persuaded that he committed the, the murder so he spent 15 years actually studying law and then defending himself and writing to as many uh, judges as possible and then he was able to actually prove himself not guilty and he was freed it's a beautiful story it is a very beautiful story and um and i guess this guy could have decided on the one hand that okay i'm in prison i'm gonna spend my life here what if this is and i don't know like what if this is a school yeah 
I guess it could be it could become a school because he's gonna and it was a school for him and like he he spent years and years studying law and he became actually a lawyer just out of his studies uh, in prison yeah so but at the same time he actually went against the flow he pushed back uh, and and he found a, uh, he was met with a lot of uh, resistance because some people were profiting out mm -hmm. of him being in prison like some police uh, police officers became detectives because they caught him mm -hmm. so their careers would be over if they if somebody realizes that they called the wrong guy uh, so yeah um, I guess this is uh, this is something that is uh, that is very relevant to to our time um, I see a lot of a lot of um, uh, a lot of foreigners who come to Algeria and they'd be like ooh what a beautiful country I want to stay here but at the same time I see a lot of Algerians and what they say I, they say like I wanna I wanna get out of here this is like a prison uh, ciel ouvert see what I mean yeah. So is this a matter of perception or does this have basis in reality according to you? It is a matter of perception first mm -hmm. and uh, it is true that staying in Algiers is, Algeria in general is difficult mm -hmm. but building in here will make you stronger. So when you go abroad you will handle things swiftly. I see, yeah. Okay, so uh, what the other thing I'm really interested in is uh, your scientific approach. In um, so you say here, this is a spiritual guide uh, for the bright spiritual lad in quest for a path to enlighten his to enlighten his soul. Yes, right. Uh, a grimoire full of revelations without exaggerations, written through a scientific approach. So, how does this scientific approach? help you to write about uh, spiritual guidance? Well, it's very easy, actually. Uh, you will find by doing researches that everyone uses a scientific approach. And uh, scientific approach in literary researches is based on quotations. It's based on quotations. So to you, the scientific approach is just quotations? Quotations by uh, men who are uh, experts in the domain that you are tackling. But what gives what gives these men? Um, uh, I have I, I um, a legitimacy in being expert. Well, uh, their contributions to philosophy and that fields of domain. For example, I quoted uh, Arumi. I quoted uh, Descartes, mm -hmm. uh, Aaron Abk, Alan Watts, Sadhguru, and all okay. the spiritual figures. Okay, um, so how is this similar to the scientific approach that we use, for example, to discover the planets such as these uh, that go around double stars, etc.? So, or maybe uh, the scientific approach that we use in discovering viruses in bio biology or things like that. So, is it similar? Is it the same scientific approach? Not very much the same, but inspired from it because it's not built on material facts, but rather uh, quotations, as I said. It's a deductive reasoning. So you got mm. the quote, you, you prove first, you put your arguments, and then you use the quote, you analyze the quote, yeah. you evaluate it, and you use it to prove your arguments again. And it's not just one process. 
for example, for my master thesis, mm-hmm. we had to write 25,000 words. 6,000 words had to be quotations. So, you know, and the rest were just analysis and evaluations. How did they decide that 6,000 words had to be quotations, not 3,000, not 10,000? Well, you're going to have to ask the English department. As far as <laughs> yeah. I know, that's that's how they, they use it in all yeah. countries. The English department, that's the curriculum. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me. Huh? That, that's kind of weird to me. It's, it's like there, there shouldn't be a rule here, shouldn't, should there? In academical analysis? No, I mean uh, in, in terms of uh, the size of quotations inside your content. It's actually very fair, yeah, 6,000. It is fair, yeah, you think? 25,000, yeah, it's hmm. more or less. Shouldn't important. it be like a more uh, about um, objective reasoning rather than uh, the number of quotes? What if, what if 25 quotes is enough for you? No, actually 6,000 words of quotation is just the quotation. The rest are evaluation, analysis. analysis. Yeah, what if you spend... Uh, I mean, what if you spend like 25,000 words mm-hmm. on analysis and you're just analyzing like 500 words of quotations? Is that wrong? That Is wouldn't that be coherent, no. How so? Because that's not how uh, master theses have been based in ages, no? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird because I come from a scientific uh, mm-hmm. uh, department and um, there is no... The, there is no limit, minimum or maximum, to the amount of um, the amount of uh, experiments or the amount of uh, quotations from other uh, experiments that have been done or conclusions that have been uh, uh, arrived to by other uh, other researchers. Like, if you say something, it has to be either based on reality that you experienced or that you experimented on, or like you have results, experiencing experience Mm -hmm. results, Uh, or it has to be based on someone else's experience. So um, like it's not about the size of the words. Also, there's a thing like uh, I've been using Twitter uh, lately and sometimes I would write something and on Twitter and it's too, too long for a tweet. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep the same thing, like I have to keep saying the, the same thing, but by using fewer words. And I realized that a lot of the words that I've been using are just like really unnecessary. Like for example, instead of saying the book of Anis, that's three words, I say Anis's book, which mm-hmm. is two words. This on scale, like it adds up to like a lot of words that you can take out from uh, from uh, from yeah from uh, from text so i wonder if this is a good like measure of the eligibility of uh, of uh, research work you mean in academical research yeah okay so you can do your own research and follow your own methodology mm-hmm. but if you want your research to contribute to human growth it will have to be supervised and analyzed by doctors of the departments, of any department, whether it's scientific and stuff. And in order for them to evaluate it coherently, the academical approach has to be present. This is very helpful. Mm. So if you have an ID, you can prove it easily through an academical approach. Yeah. Yeah, Rather yeah. than just 
speak it out loud just because you feel like it mm. yeah, yeah i see um yeah i still don't understand the, re the relevancy of the number of words well because in literature it's a it's about words it's the art of is it writing. about the number of words or what the words say of course the the, the, the what the words contain yeah. and the number as well it's really yeah but like 25000 5000 is merely two pages so that's like mm. almost 25 quotes yeah so so what if you what if you have like only 5000 quotes you would add a thousand that may not be as relevant as they should be but that's gonna be okay because that's six thousand quotes for you well for my book i didn't <laughs> follow this i know methodology. you wouldn't yes but uh, i'm sure that a lot of people would go, would do this like i would have done that mm -hmm. like what if i had only five thousand quotes and the subject is not something that is for example what if you write about something that is not very well studied mm -hmm. like for example um there are some subjects that are kind of dark like 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 um like uh, dark magic Yeah. in uh, the Islam, uh, Islam uh, Islamic, Islamic occultism world. yeah that's, that's the title yeah Islamic occultism yeah so yeah so this is not a subject that I have been mm -hmm. written about extensively mm -hmm. it's gonna be very difficult for you maybe so this is the only subject that I've been uh, that I could come up with right now but this could be very more difficult for you to find 6,000 quotes about mm -hmm. so if you have 25,000 stuff like 25,000 um words to write about this you're gonna have to maybe like you're gonna have to cancel the research because you're, do, you're not well, gonna academically have, uh, there are rules yeah. yes but independently independently you can use any quotes that you want and mm. to be honest i didn't even calculate the number of quotes that i used yeah but i focused on the quality of the quotes yes, and the evaluations yes, yes, yes. so yes. it's up to you to send a message mm. you use a reader writer approach mm. to know how the reader would react to this mm. how he would grasp the informations mm. so in literature it's relevant to you yes but yes. in our department and any other department there are rules yes mm -hmm. yeah what uh how much do you think so could you tell me about the content of the book yeah you can like what is uh, what can i expect like i can't read it uh, i can't read all of it uh, right now you but can what check the content I... uh, pages it's ah, on the beginning let's, let's do this all right so we've got chapter one in the words what is spirituality yeah that's a really really good Uh -huh. question to tackle yeah very very interesting um oneness and pantheism okay birth chart and life path so what is birth chart is it like something related to astrology yes that is correct do you think astrology is <coughs> sorry climatizer <coughs> but do you think um like is it relevant to our lives Like a lot of people... You mean, example, is it important? Well, a lot of people, for example, uh, when they meet me first, when they first meet me, they'd be, they'd be like, what is your, what's your, um, what's your astrology sign? What is it? I don't think that's relevant, but, yeah, I, but could, I, I could know? tell you. Yeah, that's Gemini. <laughs> okay. Right. You, you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's like, uh, because uh, to me, It's incredible mm -hmm. 
that um, that such a thing uh, that is taken seriously by people like especially um, astrology mm-hmm. like I understand the lore and the, and the, the beauty of it like of course it's really really beautiful uh, yeah, yeah it's an aesthetic thing it could even be an artistic thing you could like uh, like the same way a name affects uh, your could affect your personality and the way I you are perceived by yes. Uh, yes by other people mm-hmm. I guess being Gemini could affect your personality and it could affect the way you are perceived by other people but is is really the position of stars in the sky the moment you were born is important to the way you're gonna live or the kind of life you're gonna have or the kind of personality you're gonna do you really think that important as as a researcher i'm okay. asking you like yes well, actually uh, before the perch chart and the life path comes the chapter of oneness okay. and pantheism what is oneness what is pantheism mm-hmm. yes oneness is a theological concept much inspired from islam by the uh, enlightened people mm-hmm. of uh, the 18th century okay it is true that they stole a lot from islam and applied it to the world yeah so their concept of oneness is the monotheism of god the existence of one god mm-hmm. what is pantheism pantheism defines god from the material world okay so god exists in mm. natural things oh. not in concepts not in material concepts. so so there are religions based on this most religions start from this concept yes okay so like uh, some people say uh, the universe has chosen a path for you god universe yes yeah, so that's that's pantheism yes i see what you mean yes yes and, and if ah, i can okay. uh, finish okay, I my uh, thesis so by understanding that the natural things that are natural mm. are divine they play a, uh, they have a role mm-hmm. in the cosmic scheme of things yeah. they have a role in existence and during the birth of a person mm. there are the stars that are present cast an effect on uh, our daily lives but also cast an effect on the birth of a soul because this is like a cosmic event mm-hmm. okay so is it important maybe yes I because see, it's yeah. only one percent of the great journey of discovering yourself mm-hmm. and the birth chart is not the same thing as uh, that's why i precise and put birth chart okay, okay. because the most of <clears throat> the modern astrology is simply based on uh, yes sorry to say this but silly concepts you know yeah yeah, yeah. cliches and yes. uh, pep talks and yes. you know but the birth chart is not simply you're not just one sign you know Mm. is the lunar sign the ascendant sign mm. the venus sign what yes. is the venus sign venus symbolizes love you know it's not the god of love but it's it holds the aspect of love mm. metaphysically yeah. of course so the positioning of the planets that reflects venus at mm. that time for example if you have i personally have a gemini in venus you have what gemini in venus okay so when it comes to love i act as a gemini two faces uh attracted to intellectual stimulations Mm -hmm. you know very very talkative yeah this is in my romantic uh, relationships yes 
So when, when it comes to the relationship between the metaphysical world and the physical world, uh, as someone who studies like the effect, do you, do you like, is it, is it correct what I'm saying that you, ca you try to study the effect of the physical world on of the metaphysical world, okay. the natural world, okay. on ourselves as a human. I see, I see. Because so, this is yeah. a research in the field of domain that is called humanities. Yes. It's about the human. So how do you feel knowing that, like for example, like you think that the position of Venus is going to somehow affect Uh, when you were born is going to somehow affect how you're going to behave as a lover not 100 because yes. they are there are childhood trauma but, but in uh, but a little bit just like genes for example yes. genes are going to affect mm. how you're going to behave as a human being as a friend as like a lover as a husband etc but um but not completely mm -hmm. yes so the same way the position so how do you feel knowing like where you live like for example uh, this this fascinates me because um i am a huge fan of uh, of uh, scholars like al-kindi mm, interesting yes so have you heard of him yes yes But so uh, i'm sorry i i had to base myself on ibn arabi on this one so on ibn arabi i never heard of him was he before did he come before before after? before before uh, kindi yes oh, i thought i thought kindi was the one who was Actually, there are countless of islamic scholars that uh, yeah. introduced astrology to the world and they didn't see it as planets yeah. no they didn't see it as signs they saw it as something that is relevant to an individual yeah yeah because yeah. the birth mm. chart is absolutely huge you know yes yes so um so Al-Kindi, what he said, he said that there are rays mm -hmm. that come from uh, from other planets, other stars. So sometimes, like like uh, when um, like if something happens here on Earth, it is affected by by rays that come from stars. Slightly, yes. Yes. So this is what he was proposing as an explanation on why astrology or or why the science of Uh, Divin divinations divinations <laughs> works mm -hmm. and um, and um, and yeah and my, my the thing that I that I like Al-Kindi lived in uh, in the year about 900 like the 10th or 11th century right but you live as like a, uh, a, sp a spiritual or intellectual descendant of Al-Kindi and people like him or uh, Ibn Arabi Uh, you live in the modern era mm -hmm. so we live in a world where we have already uh, we don't only we aren't only able to know where Venus was when you were born we also know where it is now and we know when it's going to be at any point in time in the future yes so we so much know this in detail and in precision that we were able to send multiple probes to explore Venus Mm -hmm. So we had even photos from the surface of Venus. So how do you feel about this? Like in relationship to to um, to, uh, to yeah to what you are uh, studying here? How do I feel? Yeah, how do you feel about about yeah, like you live in a world where Venus is 
it's it's like we know so much about mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. we know yes, the weather exactly. of venus for example so mm, by saying pantheism by saying oneness it's mm. actually a process rather than a concept it is acknowledging that we as humans are part of the divine worlds mm. cast on the material world so this makes us not any more uh, not inferior nor superior to any other because we are potentially we have the same soul and then our ego is built up by external influences you know mm-hmm. but in the core in our inner world we have the same soul you know i mean this is this is seen from an islamist point of view and any other point of view it puts people in one accordance rather they a social classes because mm-hmm. this is conceptual it's not divine uh is it now modernly cast yes because we can people in the past in metaphysics used to talk about a disconnectedness that connects us with each other mm. and now we have it available in our phones the internet so mm. so it puts you in like the fourth density of consciousness where we are all connected where you can process a feeling through a text this is a metaphys from a metaphysical approach yeah. and quite relevant to the modern scientific discoveries and cosmological analysis of the planets yes the world is in advancement and pantheism can can be used as a tool to approach things in a modern way yeah yeah but how does this like does this extra knowledge that you have like alkindi he was he was not only someone who would try to explain uh, the relevancy of um, of uh, the positions of planet in our lives but he was also an astronomer and he was a, physis- a physician and he was a physicist as well and he was a mathematician etc so uh, he was aware for example that the earth is round He wasn't sure that the earth went around the sun or the sun went around the earth. That was very difficult to deduce because we didn't have really precise observations. But um, he was like aware of the latest scientific um, facts or scientific discoveries at the mm-hmm. time. As much as I'm sure you are, as if, as a lot of people like... Unductively, yes. yes. This is called an inductive reasoning. Unductive reasoning. Unductive, based on the intuition, based on your uh, subjective feeling. Not just emotionally, but the intuition. And I talked about uh, the intuition in the first chapter. Wait, what is an unductive feeling? What are you you're talking like not about? It's the what? opposite of deductive reasoning. It's not a reasoning based on uh, research and concrete facts. Mm. It, it is a reasoning based on your intuition. What is your intuition? It is the compilation of your birth chart, your philosophy, your external influences, anything that makes you a human. So this is the inductive reasoning. And in order for the reasoning to occur, there must be a connectedness from your soul to the divine and natural world so that you can perceive the material world from a spiritual approach that is relevant to your inductive reasoning. For example, Edgar Allan Poe had emphasized on inductive reasoning. And if we are to read Eureka, we'll find that he prophesized the Big Bang theory, prophesied a lot of theory, and he even reached conclusion of time travels and the fourth dimension. How did he do that? True guessing. Who, who did that? Who Edgar Allan Poe, in his book, Eureka. 
Okay. His last book. So right, I'm not uh, I'm not acquainted with him. What era did he live? The Victorian era, but in America. So okay. Eight, uh, eight, so late nineteenth uh, century. One thousand eight hundred and forty-six. Okay. And what did he deduce on his book? Eureka! It was his last book. Okay. He wrote it before he died. Then right. He said that now he can rest in peace, knowing that he he had written this book. Einstein later called it as a spiritual Bible, and he followed most of the reasoning that he was he introduced in that book. Okay, could you tell me about some of the reasoning that was in that book? In Eureka. In Eureka, yes. So he talked about the creation of the universe, the origins, uh, pretty much what I talked about because I was very inspired from my thesis, and my thesis was about three tales, but it was mostly using the perspective of Eureka. So I was analyzing the content of these tales and comparing it to the knowledge that he directly displayed in Eureka. How did he display this knowledge and what is this knowledge he about? He displayed the knowledge or something that he supposed was true? He displayed a knowledge poetically. Why did he display it poetically? Because he believed that humans are supposed to feel rather than think. Okay. That is the book starts with to those, to the few who love me and whom I love, to those who feel rather than those who think, to those who put faith in their dreams as the only realities. These are merely alternative realities. So he brings up a knowledge, alternative realities, alternative universes, through a poetic language, because he talks personally with the person rather than using a academical approach mm. of 6,000 quotations and 25,000 yeah. words. Uh, you're, you're aware of Jordan Peterson? Huh? You're aware of Jordan Peterson? Yeah. Uh, I, I heard him say on the podcast that, he, uh, that, that when you're not, you're not sure of what is real, focus on the pain. No. Like he said, you can't argue with pain. Pain is real. Yes. Like... Do you feel pain here? That means this is where you are. Like, like I don't know how to explain to you. Well, but it's a masculine perspective inspired from Stoicism and Buddhism. Yes, there, are, there is suffering in this world. Uh, Buddhists believe that we are to break this cycle of suffering. Stoics believe we are to embrace this suffering. Algerians believe that suffering is what builds a man, makes it stronger. Coming back to my first words on this podcast, I know that it is harsh to live in Algeria because there is a lot of suffering, but this suffering will make you stronger in order to face the abroad world. Yeah, uh, what cannot, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Yeah, but pain is pain. Pain is pain, yeah. Like you can't you tell can't someone see it subjectively. No, exactly, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like you can't, <coughs> while you're in pain, like maybe, a posteriori, you could be like, hmm, I'm glad I was in pain. Exactly. But while you are in pain, like you can't argue it away. Mm -hmm. you because you, you, you have to feel it that way. You have to go through it and you have to own it and come up, pick yourself up. This is what humans do. Mm. Yeah. So one day, the worst pain that I've ever felt was a shot of penicillin. Really? Yes. It I thought we were talking about emotional pain, not no, like no, physical well, pain. Well, emotional pain could be translated into physical pain. Like, for example, a heartbreak. 
Yes. Uh, so there have there were there have been scientific studies on people who are going through severe heartbreaks, mm -hmm. and what they found out is that the pain is real. Like there's actual physical pain. Uh -huh. The uh, the body was responding as if there was uh, there was some kind of uh, of injury there. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so yeah. So well, pain is here. So. Um, when you say that there are multiple realities and each is as relevant or as real as this reality where we are here, you and me talking. Um, to be honest, I'm not an advocate of this theory. I okay. don't know much about it. What do you, what do you believe? How do you perceive things? Like I'm more interested in you. Poetically, you? I perceive things as a poet and poetry okay. helps you build How so? an inductive reasoning because for example, my thesis was a hard work of 6,000 quotations and a lot of writing. And then on the last page, I just went to summarize it in one poem of one page. I see. I so see. I see things as a poet. I see beauty and I see the ephemeral mm -hmm. beyond things. Mm -hmm. Of course, I have a job as a researcher. I write uh, for an online platform. I separate those from the poet. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think this is very relevant to our time because, for example, uh, we live in a, in a world, well, it's not really, uh, it doesn't happen here in Algeria, but uh, for example, if you go to America and somebody says, like a man in the body of a man uh, claims that he, he is a woman or that he believes that he is a woman, you have to believe him and you have to act with him as if he is a woman. Oh. Otherwise, that you could be punished. But in Canada, you could be punished by law. Like, for example, if I say to you that I'm a woman and you have to refer to me as her and you don't refer to me as her, I could actually uh, press charges against you. <coughs> so this is... This is... Um, absurd. Well, it's... They wouldn't call it absurd, but, it, but, but the way they see it is there's a reality and there is my reality and ah, my reality is okay. as relevant as this reality and you and we, i don't have to cope with the reality that is imposed by mm -hmm. on me so so i think i think uh, studying this uh, would be very uh, very interesting and when you say when you talk about juicy things in poetry you remind me of uh, another scholar whom I appreciate very, uh, appreciate very much, who is uh, called Paul Dirac. He was a British, British, yeah, British man, and um, he did groundbreaking work on um, on uh, mechanic uh, on quantum mechanics. And the thing about him, he had like an issue, a social thing, where, for example, he would he would be teaching in class, and one of the students would be like, "Hey, I don't understand." And Paul would stand there and wait for like 30 seconds. And then he would continue on with his lecture. And then again, the student stands up again, raises his hand and says, Sir, please, I don't understand. And Paul Dirac would wait again for 30 seconds and then continue with his, with his, with his, um, with his lecture. And then the student gets frustrated and he says, please, could you explain to me? <coughs> Sorry. And Paul would say, why didn't you say that earlier? Like, Paul doesn't understand uh, <coughs> uh, les sous-entendus. Mm. Uh, like, to him, if you want to say something, 
you have to say it precisely. Okay. And he never understands something that is not precisely written in what is spoken to him or, or, or in what, is he, on what he is reading. So you can imagine the trouble he's had with poetry. Oh. Yeah. So um, actually, I could, I could get you a quote about Paul Dirac, a very, very famous uh, quote of Paul Dirac and, uh, and poetry. Um, so he said... Ta -ta -ta -ta. In science, one tries to tell people in such a way as to be understood by everyone. Something that no one ever knew before. But in poetry, it's the exact opposite. Like what he's saying, he's saying that in poetry, you say, you're talking about something that everybody understands and that everybody like lives and like it's real for everybody. Like you're not gonna tell someone something new, uh, but you say it in the most complicated <laughs> and most obscure way possible. Like, um, like I read some of your poems, and uh, I'm sure that it's gonna be it's good the, the your poems are gonna mean a, a lot to some people, and it's gonna mean and they're gonna mean different things to different people. Supposed right. to be subjective, yes. Yes, it is supposed to be subjective, but I'm not sure I understand exactly what you what you were going through, or what you meant, or what this poem was about. So before this podcast, I had Ines Hayuni, and I read some of her uh, some of her poems, and I was like, "Hey, this poem is about prostitution," and she was like, "No, she's about artists." Uh, See what I mean? Yeah. So it's. I don't know, like, <laughs> like it's funny to me. I'm not a poet, but it's funny to me how poetry works. Well, poetry uh, <laughs> takes a lot of work, you know, to complete a poem. You know, it mm. doesn't happen spontaneously. Yeah. Most of the advocates of poetry just throw a bunch of words and call it poetry. It's not that you have to study the effect of the letters, the effect of the rhymes. It's actually very, very logical. Mm. And 50% metaphysical because you are complying feelings. Yes. So in a, in a stanza, for example. Okay, let's go to the chapter of the soul. Because we are talking <coughs> about uh, poetry. I am a duality and one with the all. How do you see this? So I am a duality and? One with the all. With? The all. So I am a in this just lines, the there is duality, uh -huh. which is relevant to Carl Jung's concept of animus and anima. There is also an influence of Taoist duality, the yikang, yin-yang, and one with the all. So there is not only oneness, but pantheism as well. So there is a feeling of belongingness mm -hmm. in the metaphysical world. This is just one line. Okay. This is how poetry works. You put in a huge amount of informations that's how I succeeded into translating my thesis into one poem. You put a huge amount of informations, doctrines, philosophies, emotions in the shortest way possible. That's true. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah I've, I have some experience with that. Like sometimes you could like tell a story that is very long or you could just summarize it yes. in one poem uh -huh. and the, the person reading the poem would actually understand and experience the story in, uh, in his in own uh, subjective way, in his yeah. own state of mind. 
not to feel exactly the same thing, you know, mm. but to feel this is why we put a lot of informations within one line so that the reader will attract the informations that he needs to hear, you know. Mm. So, um, how do you recognize, like, Ennis, how does he recognize that this is actual poetry, not just a bunch of words thrown together <laughs> and then edited in a library? Like, I'm sure... It's look, my as, daily struggle. <laughs> yeah. Like, as a photographer, a lot of the times I see a photo and I'm like, this is just a painting. Well, like, here is a trick mm -hmm. in order not to complicate things. You know Serge Gainsbourg? No. <laughs> He's a French singer, uh, okay. excellent one. He said, si, si t'es pas en aime ton travail, c'est vraiment de la merde. Si tu n'aimes pas ton travail, c'est si de la merde. Si t'es pas en aime ton travail. En, si tu n'es pas. Si t'es pas en. If your parents likes your ah, work, ah, okay. it means it's a bad work, you know. Okay, so is it just so, about no, the No, it's win. not just about the parents, <laughs> but it's about the crowd. Because I've met a, uh, a lot of great poets who write even better than me. But they write for themselves, you know, it's their own words. They're not looking for social merit. They're not looking to be published whatsoever. They just write that because that's who they are, you know. Yeah. And these uh, poets, I've met them in the, the English and French department. So they studied. They didn't study the language, but they studied about the language. They know about phonetics, the science of hearings. They know about linguistics. And they're not looking for a social merit. Uh, those uh, who went to get published they just want to share a message of beauty of they just want to bring comfort to people this is what i've been trying to do to bring comfort to people mm -hmm. by displaying them the alternative whether yeah. it's in divinity or in love or in rascality you know life in the streets simply to show that there is an alternative and to counter conformity mm. but if you see that a poem is very self-absorbed that talks a lot about that person how he feels mm -hmm. then it's not a poem at all it's simply a Wattpad fiction you know and a tool to gain more social merit and social image because a poet a real poet is rarely accepted you know i'm not talking about myself i'm yeah, talking yeah. about the real poets that i met you know yeah i see i see yeah yeah um a lot of poets actually die before <laughs> before they are appreciated. Like William Blake, yeah, they die poor. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. So one uh, one way I was able to so the the one definition that I found uh, about poetry is um, um, le langage des ressentis. It's uh, well, what the the definition that I really liked was um, a sentence that means more than exactly. its literal sense. Yes. Like for example, if uh, so, one of my favorite poems is from a song uh, uh, of Pink Floyd. They say uh, um, they are great uh, in poetry. Uh -huh. Floyd. They have a great poetry. It's surrealistic. It's uh, it's uh, Roger Waters. He is the only poet there. Like yeah. The others don't do poetry, but Roger Waters used to do poetry. Uh, he he wrote he uh, wrote uh, he wrote the albums uh, Dark Night of the Dark, Dark Side of the mm -hmm. of the Moon, uh, Not a Brick in the Wall. Um, what's wish you were here? Yes, he wrote these uh, these lyrics, and in uh, the song uh, "Wish You Were Here," he wrote, uh, "Did I uh, did I did I uh, did I get you to trade your heroes for wait 
You know what? Let's analyze this. Yeah. Not academically, but poetically. Let's, let's do that. I was that. thinking about comfortably enough because I've seen a scene recently in the movie The Departed. I don't know if you okay. know. Okay. With, uh, with, with DiCaprio and, uh, uh-huh. and uh, Matt Damien. And there Matt was Damien. just a poetry that just spoke to me. So we do comfortably numb or uh, wish you were here? I'll let, I'll let you choose, yeah. I'd, I'd rather wish you were here. Okay. Okay, wish you were here, lyrics. So, we've got... Uh, and disciplinary remains... No, 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 before, this is like uh, words that uh, you okay. can hear on it's the radio. But it starts with, so, so you think you can tell, heaven from hell, blue skies from pain. Can you tell a green field from a cold steel rail, a smile from a veil? Do you think you can tell? He's, he's actually tackling uh, duality because it's, uh, Taoism is, is a natural philosophy. It's not just relevant to China. Everyone knows about this, you know, that there is a duality in the world. And in this passage, he is asking, is there a duality between us? Are we separated? Am I the heaven and you're the hell? Are you the heaven and am I the hell? Blue skies from pain, yeah. It's, it's wait, 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 before we move on, before we move on. So you think you can tell heaven from hell? So the way I understand this first uh, verse is, I'm pretty sure, well, first of all, a lot of people uh, can't really tell heaven from hell. Like sometimes, like a person could maybe spend a lot of money on safety and on security and they don't they don't realize that they're building their own prison cell for example right mm-hmm. so they they think they're buying heaven but in fact they are buy, buying their own hell yes mm-hmm. and these people a lot of the times they end up in bad depressive exactly, situations yes. and bad really really bad mental health and they end so up committing suicide heaven and hell as the material world and the spiritual world. We can see it like that because introducing a strong duality, heaven and hell, it can be subjective, it can be relevant to any situation, you know. Mm-hmm. So how is heaven and hell? I see it in this poem, I see it as a romantic uh, notion, you know, but again, uh, poetry is subjective, so it can be applied to anything. Mm. I more, uh, I think there's a difference between our two analyses. In terms of, um, I try to see this as an analogy okay. to real life matters. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, have you seen Game of Thrones? Not fully, no. Have you seen the first season? Yes. So the first season you see uh, the daughter of, um, of uh, Stark, like the, the red-haired one, one. The red-haired? Yes. Okay. She was... We, she really, really wanted to to marry Joffrey. Uh-huh. I think he's called Joffrey. But like go to the south and marry the prince there okay. and live with them and maybe someday become a, a queen, etc. And her wish was granted. And mm-hmm. she went there. And then it turned out she actually went to hell. Okay. See what I mean? Like she turned out... Yeah, now yeah. I get your point. Yes. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to me, this is an analogy... But you see it very differently. Mm-hmm. And I don't really understand how you see it. Um, okay, so coming back to the academical field, okay. uh, there are many theories in order to approach a text. You know, mm-hmm. 
So there is like a uh, reader-writer approach. Yeah. Jungian approach, Freudian approach. You don't mind approach. I get some guesses? Yeah, sure. Yeah, could continue. Okay. <laughs> so there is Freudian approach, yes. pantheistic approach. All approaches can be applied. And uh, for the literary theories module, I had Lilia Zanaji, who wrote the preface of this book, as a teacher. And she went on to bring many other approaches to introduce us to other approaches. By approach, I mean a theory. It's like a, a glasses that you put in order to read the text to come up with something. So you, so you put glasses before reading? I put a dualistic theory. Okay. I used the dualistic theory. And you used a more of a uh, fictional theory related to a movie. I actually forgot how it is called, this theory, but it exists, what you just did right now. I see. So blue skies from pain, I guess it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell a green field from a cold steel rail? Right. You think you can? Yes. Yeah. So I think it, this is this is emphasizing the, the way I see it is it emphasizes the meaning, like is what you what you have built for yourself is it really what you want, what you need? Exactly. Yes. Or is it like? See what I mean? Mm-hmm. A smile from a veil. This is easy, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes people smile, and it's a real smile. But sometimes it's just a veil. Okay. Yes. Like most of the time, people when they smile, uh. they don't they don't give you like an honest smile. They smile you know, because this it's reminds me of a quote: "Within mm-hmm. a lot of happiness displayed is a lot of darkness hushed. Within a lot of darkness displayed is a lot of divinity hushed." Yes. So coming back to duality, when you see a person smiling, it means he is in pain inside. When you see a person, but grunting, not necessarily. Huh? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. It's just a, yeah. a quote. You know, okay. I'm okay. Analyzing the quote, and it says that when you see a dark person, for example, Edgar Allan Poe, he was seen as a dark romantic. Mm. Actually, he was. He believed that this dark aspects, this destructiveness, is all part of a natural process. I see. You know? And he just loved it. He just called it divine. Everything is divine. That is divine. That was his own perspective. But uh, coming back to Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was the leader of uh, the poets at that time, he used to talk about nature, about divine things, mm-hmm. only to possess many slaves at his household. You know? I see, I see. And Edgar Allan Poe went against slavery. So just a simile between uh, what this extract is actually projecting, you know? Do you think yeah. you can tell heaven from hell? Like, do, can you know that these two comply each other? Could an evil braided be? Mm. So that, would there be a heaven without hell? I don't think so. It mm. would be boring. <laughs> yeah. So you have to go through hell to get to heaven. Yes. This is yes. exactly this what. Is very wise. Yeah. This is exactly what Jordan Peterson was saying. Like, you want to get to heaven, go through hell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> Did they get you to so yeah? Did they get you to trade your heroes for ghosts, hot ashes for trees, hot air for a cold for a cool breeze, cold comfort for change? Right. So they did get you cold comfort for change. Did you exchange a walk on a part in the war for a leading role in a cage? 
So this goes full circle to back to I'm having what you were saying this is about like, uh, some great poetry. Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So do you prefer this now to <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to comfortably numb? <laughs> They're all great. Yeah. All poetry is, speaks to me. <laughs> so my favorite part is, did you exchange a, uh, a walk on a part in a war for a leading role in a cage? So a walk in a part, like when you have a movie, sometimes there are scenes where people like walk in the background. Mm -hmm. Like those are actors that are paid to just walk in the background. They're not relevant to the movie. They're not important. They're just here to to have like to add up to the background. setting yes they're just here for technicalities uh, so Leonardo DiCaprio does the leading role mm -hmm. right so so which do you which do you do you choose a walk on a part in the uh, war okay okay or a leading role in a cage okay so what what do you choose see what I mean mm -hmm. and I believe that like are you ready to just be one of the millions who, di who died uh, sacrificing their souls for their country that they're not gonna be remembered like they say that almost two million people died in the war of liberation to just liberate Algeria most of these names aren't remembered nobody's gonna write down two million names see what I mean so most, most of these people just had a walk on a part in a war. Like at the end of the movie, you're not going to even see their names in, mm. the, in the credit, in the post-credit. Okay. So other people, so the way I see it is Al-Harqa, uh, other people decided to have a leading role. So have you seen the photo of Al-Harqa who is like given the honors by some French military people? No. Like he's no, an Algerian... And but I've met one of them in France, yeah. Yeah, like Darulu, Demeda, Yugdao, Kalulatik Saha, etc. But like you can see his, you could see his misery. Exactly. Like these people yeah. are not gonna, they're not gonna look up to you. They're not gonna see you as like really good. Mm -hmm. This is just they, politics. They won't see you as a French person, neither. That's that, yeah. that also that, yeah. So uh, the, he's having the leading role, but in a cage. So this is how I see it. Like exactly, I can't see it of a better way. I'd go very metaphysical, but I'd rather keep this analysis. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is what uh, Roger Waters was trying mm -hmm, to... Mm -hmm. yeah. Make sense. You know the, the story between Roger Waters and Pink Floyd? And uh, No, I haven't, to it's, be honest. It's very interesting because see this great poetry that he wrote. Mm -hmm. At the same time, so he was writing the lyrics and Roger Waters was a bassist. So he was doing good bass, bass work, so... Normal, normal stuff for uh, actually for there is like a uh, a juxt juxtaposition you know when you put like heaven hell uh, terms like that that counters each other heroes ghosts this is a juxtaposition so it's used repeatedly to cast an effect yes what is the effect can you help me with that <laughs> to cast an effect Actually, all poetry, according to the theory of Edgar Allan Poe, mm -hmm. all poetry is like a, an excessive amount of informations, feelings, and stuff, only to cast one effect on the reader. So yeah. I see a lot of emphasis. So, on so the first, the first, um, I'm gonna say paragraph, 
but the first maybe verse so you th- so you think you can tell heaven from hell blue skies from pain etc so this is questioning the conceptualization yeah, so of that person yeah the like, effect that really he's trying to project uh-huh. to project is the other realm yeah okay. question yourself is this really what you do, what you want like mm. doubt is the effect that it's kind of exactly, trying to yes. the second paragraph i'm gonna call it paragraph i don't care um is trying to to um to cast the effect of guilt to make the guilty people feel guilty and feel like yeah. they didn't gain anything from what they actually from what from what they I gave. feel like he's talking to the reader not just a person he's talking to the reader and he is shattering his perception of reality that's why he's using yeah. an excessive amount of juxtaposition and metaphors he's actually shattering your reality your perspective perspective mm. of reality only to build up some, for something more only to prepare him for something more how i wish you were here see it has we're just two souls swim, swimming in a fish bowl he's actually shattering the ego the individual identity only to call you just one soul swimming uh, mm. in a bowl just like that yeah running over the same old ground huh running over the same old ground mm-hmm. what have we found the same old fears wish you were here yeah he's actually calling you to join his state of mind you know yeah. he's in the deep level of transcendence and of course it is uh, it is very well known that pink floyd singers used lsd and <laughs> other ecstasies and stuff yeah so, one of reach, them, uh, so what happened to one of them they reach a very high levels of inspiration what, do you know what happened to one of them no uh sid barrett huh sid barrett actually the founder of uh, of pink floyd and the guy responsible for their early success mm-hmm. um he did too much acid and he went crazy yeah it happens yeah but that's not that's <laughs> i talked about uh, psychedelics in this book yeah that i it was more of a disclaimer rather than a guide what what was could you tell me about the disclaimer or do i have do i have to read the book just like what you said you don't have to read it so what 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 part of what i said you can go crazy that is correct yes yeah. yes crazy how by losing all perception of reality thinking yeah. that it's all ephemeral you know yes that's not what metaphysics uh, teaches us okay. it emphasizes that the spiritual world is in the material world yes you know? so we need even though these things are not divine the divinity is within us we use them you know he put the divinity within them i see i see yeah mm. so you uh, you wrote about the duality reincarnation densities of consciousness laws love as the fir- the universal law so these are like um there are uh, there are um metaphysical topics well there are there is vocabulary that is really used a lot in science for example duality is used in science in quantum mechanics oh. uh, yes density mm-hmm. like density of matter yeah how much matter same you thing. have in one volume it's almost uh, there's also uh, universal law which is something that Einstein and many other physicists were trying to are, are still trying to mm-hmm. to to understand like a law that explains everything at once mm-hmm. because we're at theory some, of everything yeah um there's uh, also uh, multiverse 
which is something abstracted from uh, from science, the theory of the multiverse. Uh, Stoicism, occultism. Yes. Numerology or, uh, you know, dark or bright reality. I enjoyed writing about numerology. Really? Because when I started the book, mm-hmm. I reached the chapter of numerology mm-hmm. and I just didn't know much about it. I mean, I know... I had a vague information. Did you try? It. Did you do the the square thing with uh, the nine squares, and they had to add was, up, etc.? I actually uh, focused more on Fibonacci spiral, and there is even an illustration okay. of it in the book. Okay. Uh huh. So twenty-two. How, why did you enjoy it? Huh? This Because is le nombre, to, le, to make le nombre d'or. Yeah, exactly. The golden okay. ratio. The golden ratio. And the P number. Yes. Actually, so that when I was walking, I saw the P number, and I remember it from uh, from the book. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, why did I enjoy writing about numerology chapter? Because I was having a uh, writer's block, and a friend of mine just called me at morning. She said that she is offering books. She is just getting rid of her books. Would you like one, two, or three? And I said, Yeah, I'll just come around and see what you have. Mm-hmm. And I went in. I found a book on numerology. I see. So for me, subjectively, it was some sort of a sign for me to carry on writing because I was yeah. going to give up. Yeah, 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 I see. So last question that I'm gonna have for you is: um, What gets you up in the morning and do this work? What is what passionate? What it like? I'm sure it's not money. You're not. You're not getting rich out of this. There are so some tricks, why, but uh, not, no. Uh, yeah. So why? What gives you? What compels you to do so much hard work and so much, like, so well, much? First of all, I yeah. find myself in writing. Mm-hmm. I become what I truly am, and I don't take it as a social ti- title. I take it more of a religion, as a dedication. You know. I see. I find it passionate, and it fills me with new informations. You know, I feel like I belong. Second of all, I've, I've never sought results. Sons of Algiers was widely, uh, widely sold. Sins of Algiers, slightly. From Psychedelia with Love, it was spread online. But when I was writing these books, I've never expected any material result. No. And I talked about that in The Flower of Venice. Instead, what did I receive? Uh, my, my skills became enhanced and I mm. gained more experience. And I also, see. sometimes I receive messages from readers that yeah. I did not expect that send me a message at a time that perhaps I was feeling down. And they tell me that I've read Sins of Algiers. I understood what you were trying to project and I've, I've seen it very helpful in my growth. So it's for, for these small instances of gratifications, you know, that I do these things. Mm, I see. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, one last thing I would like to tell you about is um, I played uh, recently a video game that is based on everything you've been talking about. Uh, the video game is called Persona. Wow. And I encourage you to go check it out on the internet. You need a PlayStation to play it. But, okay. uh, but, um, is it available on computer? No, it's not. You need a PlayStation to play it, but it's one of the best storytelling that I've experienced on video games. And the, the premise of the, the story is that uh, so these two high schoolers get in this high school and then they find a teacher that is also that is loved by everybody and that is supported by all 
the other parties like the manager really supports this teacher etc uh, it, it's like the most important important uh, the most important and the most popular t teacher there at the same time and he is the most popular teacher there because uh, he's the leader of the uh, volleyball team mm -hmm. so the reason why that school is making money and the reason why that school is like famous in the area is because they have a com very competitive volleyball team okay see what i mean so the teacher there that teacher is very very important to the school meanwhile what they realized that they, they realized that he was actually a bully mm -hmm. so he would bully students or pupils while he would be training them he was trying to to date one of the high schoolers there which is completely it reminds immoral. me of life is strange i don't know if you know that game yeah 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 i've, yeah. I've played it yes something like life is strange is about time travel right something like that this is something else this is about one day they went to school and instead of the school they found a castle okay and they when they got into the castle they found that there were subjects who right. are being punished and the king of the castle is actually that teacher so oh. yes so at some point the teacher uh, the, the king had like come home and he was like what are you doing in my castle i'm gonna punish you to death and what happened is that one of them uh and he was able to defend himself against uh, against the teacher mm -hmm. and when he did that in this metaphysical world when he met the teacher again he realized that that teacher lost a lot of his confidence so what they decided to do at some point the teacher had actually he was like either you go out with me in Hadik high schooler or I'm gonna reminds me of some teacher of my department yes we had a lot of them like that so they returned to the metaphysical world and they actually had a fight with him and they beat him but instead of killing him what they did is they stole um, uh, his treasure his treasure was like medaille, uh, medaille de bronze or medaille d'argent or the Jeux Olympiques so he's like a big deal with the medaille d'or because the medaille d'or Jeux Olympiques so they stole it from him from him and they said in the physical world they said uh, you're not gonna act uh, like that again or we're gonna come back to you and we're gonna kill you so when they returned to the real world Sabuh Billi, he held a press conference inside the school. I was hitting children. I was sexually harassing students. Uh, there was one student who uh, um, attempted suicide uh, because he was uh, bullying her, etc. etc. So, by, uh, by uh, intimidating him in the metaphysical world, they were able to. Uh, change his persona or change his personality or make him apologize in the physical world so there yeah. was like a complete change I of, understand uh, yes. yes it's a Japanese video game ah, like really uh, they went far mm -hmm. but the, the advantage is about this that they met an artist it turns out they would, they, he would get students and um, when the student like gets uh, a great uh, a great artwork don't publish it and I publish it on my name but mm -hmm. he gives he gives him threats and stuff etc and a face on, on them who intimidates them he became famous out of the words of other people 
So again, he were, they went to his house and they found a museum there instead of a house. So as we were saying, a cage could become something else. A school, for, as far as that teacher was concerned, the school is his castle and he was the king. So, Perfect. Yes. I love this. Anything you would like uh, to add? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, so uh, I'm planning an event on the okay. 10th of October. Yeah. Informations will be displayed on my Instagram account. Uh, the sales money for the Flower of Anis will go for charity, uh, an association who will amass the money and buy more books in order to distribute them to orphans of SOS Dararia. Amazing. So it's not my money that I, uh, to, that I put on the printing. It's okay. a contribution from several persons, mostly uh, ones from Canada, Montreal, Algerians, you know, mm. who wants to support literature in, uh, in this country. Yeah. So yeah. Mm, if people would like to contribute, uh, I welcome them. Tell me, could you tell me more about the, uh, the, the association or the charity? I'll get uh, the name. Just a second. Yeah, so. Retoract Alger. Okay. Okay, it's based in Algiers. All right, amazing. Thank you so much, Anis, for uh, coming. This was Thank an you. enlightening podcast for me. Yeah, same I'm sure me. for a lot of other people as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, come again anytime. Thank uh, you very much. <laughs> no problem. Thank you so much, and um, next time.